Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley, and we are glad you are with us. And it's always good to have Kevin Flesh in studio with us as well. Kevin, man, good to see you, bud. Good to see you, Scott. <laughs> Crazy it's been, times, yep, man. It, uh, we were talking off air. I was back in Wisconsin this last weekend, and it's not very often you get to snowmobile in minus 36 degree weather. But uh, And that's, that's no wind chill. That's no just a straight temperature. Not exactly. Wow. I can't imagine what it was when we were going 40 miles an hour in a snowmobile, <laughs> but hey, whatever. It, it is what it is, and we had plenty of clothes, and we were actually, it was actually pretty nice. I was yeah. surprised. But Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to kick it off today. As I mentioned last week, Austin Parr is going to be joining us each week and uh, give us kind of some fishing reports and uh, just some things out on the water that can help us and also get you the great gear you need from discount fishing tackle there on santa fe so austin great to have you with us today bud how are you doing great scott thanks for having me you bet hey austin how are you doing great kevin good to hear from you as well good to hear from you i was in the store a few weeks ago getting some stuff and you guys again are getting all kinds of inventory in that all these other big box stores don't have so it's obviously a place to go for the upcoming season but as well as uh, we're going to talk a little ice fishing today so uh, tell us about what's going on from your perspective on the resource and what uh, areas are are doing well from the fishing perspective well, it's a time of year right now that is you, you're about to have multiple opportunities but as far as ice fishing is concerned obviously we've had some of those cold temperatures that you were just mentioning up in the north country as well coming down here it definitely has solidified some of this metro ice but we we kind of beat this drum a lot but Certainly being careful on that ice and, and not taking that for granted with especially the higher sun angle this time of year that we're not seeing usually as you get that normal good ice in that December and early January time frame. But places like Chatfield and, and Cherry Creek got some ice, but like I said, be careful. It's not been that fantastic as far as ice condition is concerned. There is some safe ice out there, but certainly utilize a spud bar and, and be careful with that. But a lot of what we've been doing has been more up in the mountains. This time of year is where the, the central and northern mountains are where I hit a heck of a lot. Uh, up towards Steamboat and Stagecoach, uh, both Steamboat State Park and uh, Stagecoach State Park, both fish fantastic this time of year. There's great fisheries uh, in both of those locations and really great quality of fish. A lot of people talk about the South Park quality as far as size is concerned, but Steamboat and Stagecoach both produce some of the absolute best size and, and overall average quality that I see really anywhere in the entire state. Uh, presentations that we typically would be utilizing are still working up there where I'm jigging something a little bit more active like a rat so or even a slender spoon to draw some fish in and then having a, a rat finky or just a small tungsten jig tipped with a mealworm or a waxworm sitting on a dead stick has all been effective and I've been finding that a little bit earlier in the morning I've been positioning myself a bit shallower even as shallow as six or eight feet of water but drifting out just a little bit deeper trying to find the river channel particularly at stagecoach getting out toward that 12 to 15 foot range uh, as we move out that certainly has been 
uh, very productive. So those uh, spots are, are a good opportunity to, uh, to catch a lot of fish, but this is also a great time to catch lake trout. So Grimby and Williamsport both have been doing well. Uh, bigger tubes for some of your bigger fish. You're not getting many bites on those, but getting up shallower on some of your flats have been productive with darker tube jigs and a five or a six inch size. And then off the deeper structure in 45 to 65 feet of water is where we've been catching some of our better numbers. So two and a half to three and a half inch tubes. Uh, glows and whites work well as the day progresses. I shift over to some of my darker colors also. And same thing kind of goes at Green Mountain, but you can go out and catch some great fish with those tubes uh, tipped with sucker meat. And whether you want to catch a big fish or, or some of your smaller fish, there are opportunities that are happening at those particular lakes. So now talking about the actual fishing of some of those reservoirs for the lake trout, are you going out and punching a bunch of holes to look for fish, or are you going to structure and then waiting for those fish to come in to those areas to feed? So it depends upon the actual ice condition as far as the slush is concerned. If I, I typically like to be on the move, but unlike some folks, I don't have a snowmobile to run around up there, uh, and that slush can be very, in, it, it can really inhibit your, your movement, uh, particularly on lakes like Granby late season. You can certainly have areas of 12 plus inches of slush, so certainly having the correct boots is really an important way sure. to go up there, even some insulated muck boots. But I usually try and do as much research as I can at my house before I head out there. So there's a couple of great resources. Certainly the, the fish and map company maps are a good way to go, but you can also utilize Lawrence's social mapping software on what's called CMAP Genesis Social Maps. That's the letter C-M-A-P Genesis Social Maps. And those maps are actually created by users with Lawrence units in the summertime. They're actually mapping those and then uploading those maps. And you can use those maps and, and really see a one-foot contour of all those lakes. And they're not all 100% complete, but those maps in combination with the Fish and Map Company maps, GPS units and, and, and GPS uh, locations, I mean, and plugging those into your, your GPS unit to then get out to those particular locations really can decrease your amount of searching time. So think of walleyes, or excuse me, think of lake trout kind of as a deep water walleye. They like to sit on structure, humps, points, drop-offs, all those locations are usually the best locations to find uh, your eater-sized fish. And then I have my best success on the big fish, a lot of times on some of your bit shallower flats, even uncomfortably shallow at times up to that that eight or ten foot of water range mm. even uh, but you'll, you'll occasionally pick off a big lake trout in that deeper water as well but usually the bigger fish are eating shallow and that's more eating game though it's really frustrating at times when you're catching those smaller lake trout you're seeing fish on your sonar you're playing around with fish all day long and and i get real antsy when i'm not marking fish but when i'm targeting those big fish I'm not really marking anything for the majority of the day, and you're fishing a lot of times for, for one or two bites. Yeah, and so those one or two bites that you're talking about, um, I understand that you're using the big tube jigs and that sort of thing. Um, is that something then that you're pounding those jigs on the bottom, creating some some uh, muddy areas or, or trying to create a situation where the fish come into that bait, or are you just letting them suspend above the bottom, for example, and letting those fish see it from a long ways away and hopefully coming in and targeting the baits themselves? I like pounding the bottom a lot with lake trout, whether I'm targeting the smaller fish or those bigger fish. That is where I've had some of my best success uh, for all sizes of lakers. Okay. Got it. Now, turning our attention then, so that's sort of what's going on with the, the ice fishing bite. And, oh, one thing we didn't cover is both on Stagecoach and Steamboat, any, uh, any northern bite going on? 
So Steamboat does not have Northern. Oh, that's but right. Stagecoach does. Right. Um, and and that bite has not been overly fantastic, but I've been hearing reports of folks utilizing dead suckers on tip-ups mm-hmm. uh, out there, and, and certainly the the more fresh of a sucker that you can get, the better. A lot of times a freezer burn frozen sucker does not work as well as something that's going to be fresh. We sell live suckers down here at the store, too, that you would have to kill up at that uh, elevation above 7,000 feet, but they work well freshly dead on a tip-up. But it's one of those things where some folks really have that dialed in. I have a ton of time doing that, sure. but I'll throw a tip-up when, when I'm fishing for trout. and. Yep a couple bites a day and, and you have an opportunity to, to catch some of those nice fish and I really like rigging up uh, my tip-ups with a circle hook mm-hmm. not only uh, does it make it so your, your fish isn't gutting that if you feel like you want to release a giant and keep some of your smaller ones but uh, that circle hook also takes the line off of the teeth on those pikes so you can fish fluorocarbon rather than wire leader a lot of times which helps to increase your amount of bites. So uh, for the folks that don't have the ability to get up to the central mountains or either, even northern mountains, um, but they want to do some fishing closer to town, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up, hopefully, when we get over the polar vortex here and, and maybe we lose a little bit of ice for the shore angler and what opportunities are coming up in the near future. Yeah, so if you're a shore angler that doesn't have access to a boat and likes targeting walleyes, the time frame is going to be nearing uh, when you're going to want to really target those fish. So right at ice off through the first couple of weeks when those fish are moving through their spawning motions uh, is a fantastic time to target both walleyes and sawguys. So walleyes will be successful in their spawning operations, and sawguys are a sterile hybrid. They still go through the same type of motions getting up on those rocks. So some bodies of water like Chatfield, Cherry Creek, and Pueblo have dam faces that get closed during that time frame because Parks and Wildlife goes and actually nets the walleyes and then artificially inseminates the eggs to then stock fry across the entire state. So those lakes many times are off limits on the rock faces, but a smaller body of water you can catch fish in and, and still have the same type of thing going, whether you're going on the eastern plains or in town. There's bodies of water that will be icing out along those rock faces, and right in that March time frame, offers fantastic fishing opportunities, although they can be a little uncomfortable fishing at night in in really cold temperatures, but it offers a great chance to catch some good fish, and and the the technique is really the jerkbait fishing during that time of year. So I really like Rapala shadow wraps. They're a slow-sinking jerkbait, and I mean, almost suspending, but they, they sink really slow, and they're my favorite, but Smithwick rogues and husky jerks all can work really well during that time as well. Yeah, and that's just basically then throwing, are, they, are you throwing out straight out from shore, or are you going to throw it parallel to shore? What do you recommend uh, folks do when they're, they're fishing from shore uh, in the late, you know, it's going to be evening hours and throughout the night? Yep, low light conditions. And so I, if I'm standing on the shore, a lot of times I like the 45-degree angle cast. So it allows you to fish a number of different depth ranges. And if you cast straight out, each depth range, you're not covering for a very long period of time. But if you're on that 45-degree angle, each depth range is about doubled in the amount of time that you're covering. So you can really start to figure out what depth those walleyes are in. But last year when we were fishing these, uh, the, the, the bite was really, really specific. So in a lot of years when you're fishing a jerk bait, you're hitting it with a pretty hard snap. Slack line on that snap is going to be critical. So you never want to reel all the way down to that bait. You want to hit it on slack line yep. and then let that bait come to a rest and then reel up your slack, but not touch that bait with your reel if that makes sense. But last year, they didn't really want much of that. They wanted a much softer pop, but even a sweep as well, where we weren't even 
a snapping at all. It was just a sweep to just feel a little bit of vibration and then reel back down. And that's where it's critical that you're utilizing like a braided line and we're using really sensitive St. Croix rods so you can really feel that vibration in a situation like that. But the thing I always tell folks is no matter what rod you have, you can increase its performance and increase its sensitivity by switching out of a monofilament or fluorocarbon and then going to a braided line. Yeah. And then are you doing any sort of leader at the end of it with fluoro or are you just Absolutely. doing straight? Okay. Yeah, so and the reason being is that you're not necessarily as concerned about the fish seeing that line in a nighttime condition, but I'm more concerned about the stiffness of right. my line. So if you tie straight to braid and you're slack line snapping a jerk bait, you're going to be dealing with a foul bait all night long. And yep. what I mean by that is those hooks wrap around and catch on that line. But instead, I'll be fishing, say, a 10 or 12-pound fluorocarbon off of my braided line. Even a short leader works fine, but the mm -hmm. stiffness of that fluorocarbon decreases the chance of that bait fouling, not only on the retrieve, but also on a cast where it may, might catch some wind and turn around funny, but you'll, you're, 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 your time in the water unfouled is much better when you're fishing with that fluorocarbon leader. And no swivel either. That's another thing that I always tell folks is as long as that bait has a split ring on it, which the majority of your suspending jerk baits do, tie straight to that bait. If you put a snap or if you put a swivel on there, that's one more hinge point that can then have that bait wrap around and foul itself and, and decrease your time actively in the water. Perfect. Well, get by and see Austin at Discount Fishing Tackle. It's 2645 South Santa Fe. And, uh, Austin, real quick, uh, man, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy on the weekend. But uh, okay. um, any sales happening right now? or? Yeah, so right now I'm not really actively doing a whole ton of sales with the challenge of getting inventory. But I imagine. comes in from Sportsman of Colorado and mentions that they heard us on the radio, we'll offer 15% off. So just mention All right, bud. Well, I appreciate that. Colorado, and we'll get it dialed in. All right, good deal. And, man, you guys have done such a great job there with inventory during, I mean, during this pandemic. You wouldn't know it by walking in your store, man. Y'all are a wall to wall been an effort that's for sure as with a lot of other small businesses particularly in the sporting goods industry it seems like the small guys whether you're a gun shop or you're a tackle store has other outlets to get some inventory all right we got to find us a snowmobile sponsor don't we you that's need right a, you need a snowmobile man we gotta <laughs> we gotta we gotta work on that all right there you go. well austin hey man we appreciate it and uh we look forward to uh getting you on each week and uh helping our anglers out here and so man we appreciate your expertise and your time Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Austin. All right. Wow, Kevin. All the language in fishing. <laughs> I just there like is, to shoot, pull yeah, the trigger. Yeah, yeah. There's a wow. lot of different stuff, especially in just those two aspects, the uh, ice fishing yeah. and then just uh, the one, you know, ice off and just throwing some some simple baits to sure. walleyes become uh, a little bit more challenging yep. especially when you're doing it at night i mean you think about it oh so you're throwing these lures out you know as far as you can into a lake sure. uh you want it to be as tangle free as possible and yep. and have every uh, ability to feel that bite and and it, it takes a little bit little bit of practice austin knows this stuff he does too. he wow. definitely does again that is discount fishing tackle 2645 south santa fe you're listening to sportsman colorado we'll be right back the outdoorsman's attic is colorado's very own outdoor gear consignment store from live bait to goose decoys, from sleeping bags to Sitka gear, you'll find it all at the Outdoorsman's Attic. They offer a great selection of new and pre-owned hunting, fishing, and camping items, and you'll save 20 to 60% off retail. 
And if your firearm needs cleaning or some work, see Scott the Gunsmith at the Outdoorsman's Attic. And if you've got some gear you want to turn into cash, head over to the Outdoorsman's Attic located at 2650 West Hampton in Sheridan. Let them know you heard about them here on KLZ 560. KLZ's personal injury attorney, Kevin Flesh of Flesh and Beck Law, offers a free consultation because he doesn't want the cost to stop you from talking to a lawyer. Suppose you had to pay a few hundred dollars for your initial consultation with Kevin Flesh. Instead of having a productive conversation, you'd be worrying about the money the whole time. Then suppose you don't retain him. You realize you don't need his services after all, so you wasted your money. It's too much pressure. Kevin wants you to feel comfortable talking to a lawyer without the distraction of a fee. Call Flesh and Beck Law now at 303-806-8886 and schedule a free consultation with Kevin. He'll be able to tell almost immediately whether or not you even have a case. Kevin always tells people honestly when they shouldn't hire him, so you'll leave the conversation better informed without wasting your money. Talk to KLZ's personal injury attorney for free at 303-806-8886. Flesh and Beck Law. Did you know that the dental health of your pet is extremely important? Your pet can also get periodontal disease, and it's one of the most common clinical conditions seen by the veterinarians at Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. This may come as a surprise, but most adult dogs and cats show some signs of the disease by the time they reach three years of age. If left untreated, pet dental disease can also lead to pain, tooth loss, infection, and even damage to the vital organs such as heart, liver, and kidneys. Your pet's dental health is important to Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. In recognition of National Pet Dental Health Month, which is observed every February, we're placing the spotlight on periodontal disease and what pet owners can do to prevent and treat this serious condition. Call now to schedule your pet's cleaning, 303-708-8050. That's 303-708-8050. You can also visit LoneTreeVet.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sports from Colorado. Thank you so much for being with us. We're going to go to the phones now and talk to our real good friend, Chris Rowe from Rowe Hunting Resources. Be sure and check out his website and a lot of information there, and we'll touch on that before we get out of the segment today. But, Chris, it's been a while. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you guys been doing? Man, doing great, and I tell you, I sure miss doing the International Sportsman's Expo with you this year. Uh, no lie. I mean, it was kind of, wasn't that kind of weird? Yeah. I mean, for how many – How many? I, I mean, literally, I've been going to it since – Literally every year, I think since 1999, um, as you know, from an official capacity, I was attending it from '95 as just a spectator back in those days. But I don't think I've—I mean, I really don't rem- ever remember missing one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always been something that's been a part of January for yeah, me, you know? Really, I know. And, and all of a sudden, it's just not there, and it's like. Jesus, Pete, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So hopefully uh, next year we will be back there, and Chris always does a fantastic job on some seminars. So hopefully we'll be talking about that here at the end of this year. 
Well, I wanted to get you on, yeah. Chris, and I, man, I do want to get you booked here for a whole show on this because, boy, a lot of questions about this and a matter of spring turkey coming up, and we're looking forward to coming down there, Kevin Flesh and myself, and hunting with you again. And, boy, had a great hunt last year. Ron, buddy of mine and I came down, both of us very successful, and I just had a great, great time with you. But uh, let's kind of recap last year how, overall, how last year went for you. <laughs> I remember we were supposed to come opening weekend, and all the COVID stuff hit. So, I mean, man, yeah. first of all, that was just a mess, dealing with all that. Yeah, yeah, it really kind of threw a monkey wrench into our, our whole works. We were still able, I mean, we obviously were still able to uh, move forward in a limited capacity. We, you know, I mean, heck, when you're talking about social distance, I'm, I'm, I was setting up you know, we just kind of set out in the in the open, but uh, well, we had, and there was a ground blind day. You know, sure, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so just thinking rain, rain, man. I'm ground blind set up. For, oh man, yeah. Ron looked at me one time and goes, "Let's go to Kansas, have fun. It'll be turkey hunting." <laughs> and we're sitting there, it's freezing rain. We're like, "What are we doing?" Yeah. Well, for the beginning of the season, yeah, I was setting up. You know. A ground blind for the hunter and then I, you know you know i would set outside i mean you just all the, the hoops you had to go through to social distance and then we could run hunts on some people because they couldn't come and it just it was a fiasco but you know yeah no i'm glad you guys had a chance to come out because uh yeah no last year was a, a little bit of a fiasco with with all the social distancing stuff that we had to do and you know it, it shut down some of our hunts uh, some folks like you were able to, to make it work, but, uh, no, it was, it was a heck of a lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> until we started talking now, I completely forgot about our little ground blind fiasco in the rain there. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and always, uh, and, you know, I always keep one eye open now because I got my turkey there and we're waiting on Ron's, of course. And then it starts, then the sun comes out, starts getting a little hot in the blind and I doze a little bit and. We've all had that feeling where you feel like someone's looking at you or doing something, and you open one eye, and Chris has got his iPhone on me, filming me dozing and my head bobbing. So yeah, that was good. Uh, well, uh, let's start out, and like I say, we're we're, we're gonna have time to scratch the surface, so to speak, this uh, on today's show. But we'll do a whole show with you, and um, you know, the matter of scouting. I know you know some people have that time, some don't. But if you do, I mean, when you look at scouting turkey, how does that differ from how you scout? You know whitetail or elk well it's all i mean it, it, especially for your listeners there it's going to it's really habitat based so you know for a lot of the folks that are listening now you've got folks that are going to probably be heading up in the mountains wanting to go after marion's then you're going to have some people that are going to go out to nebraska and kansas they want to or eastern colorado and chase uh rio grande if you have the ability to lay eyeballs on them, that really does help. And so in our country, you know, whether Kansas, Nebraska, uh, eastern Colorado, with real grand turkeys, people need to understand if you're going out you want to scout and start looking out now, you will find those larger flocks of birds uh, in, you know, kind of winter flocks, which is it's good because you, could, you can put eyeballs on them and see them a lot easier. The big thing is people need to remember is as we move towards spring and the spring green up happens, those birds will break up out of those winter flocks. So if, if folks are out on our goose hunting or waterfowl hunting and we're seeing turkeys on you know a chunk of river bottom, don't automatically assume that that's where the birds are going to be. There's probably some birds going to be there, mm-hmm. but they're going to move to where they get good spring green up. So um, just keep 
tabs on them, if you're hunting those linear river bottoms and you want to get, you know, plan ahead, just try to spend as much time out there periodically every other week or so as we move towards April, just keeping tabs on where you see those birds moving and, and where they're scattered. Now in the mountains, they're going to move just kind of like deer and elk up and down the mountain uh, following that snow line. So I really do like getting out in for at least Colorado mountains in that beginning part of April and start hiking in those ponderosa pine areas, ponderosa pine that has oak brush is even better. Um, in those areas where those birds are going to spend time in the winter, you're going to find those tracks. You know, right. if you've got snow on the ground, look for tracks and then just start looking for the biggest stands of big ponderosa pine and the best stands of, of oak brush that have, you know, acorns. And just really pick the ground apart because once you get to, you know, that's what we can do now until, you know, about the end of March. Once you start rolling the end of March, that's when you'll start hearing birds gobble. And that's where you can start getting yourself into places where it's strategically located, where you can hear a long way and just listen to see if those birds start gobbling. They're early mornings and then in the evenings as well. Right. What have you seen, and we say most of the time because animals always surprise us, you know, let's say snow's actually falling. Is that a waste of time to be out there when the snow's actually falling? You need to wait till it quits? What's your advice there? You know, you will find it, it all depends on what the barometric pressure is doing and, and, you know, how, how bad the storm is. I mean, if it's a, if it's a nasty snowstorm, they're just going to hunker down. Right. But if it's a nice day and you've just got some light snow falling and it's not, yeah, I mean, no, they'll still be active. I can't tell. I mean, geez, oh, Pete, I, I've had to have probably killed almost, I don't know, over the years, a dozen different, almost a dozen different birds in snow, you know, in the snow. I mean, I remember hunting west of Fort Collins there for years and, I mean, literally trudging through two feet of snow up the mountain, setting hmm. up with a decoy and calling and literally calling them strutting through the snow. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they, they, they live there. They, it's not like they're going to go home. They sure. are home. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. That's, just, that's where they are, you know. Right. And when spring comes and, and reproduction starts cranking, they, they, you know, guys are guys. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lady talking. I want to go over and check her out. No doubt, no doubt. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the blind setup versus just sitting out like we were a few times, you know, just in the open like that. I mean, how do you how do you kind of go about it? Is it just that particular lay of the land and what you're, where they're going to be coming from and all that, of how you decide what to do there? Yeah, and, and how long I want to sit there. So if I've got good cover and the birds are in an area that, you know, just natural cover, trees and, and just logs down, you know, blowdowns and just stuff that I can tuck myself into and hide behind. And the birds are actively working calls, you know, it, it, there's at least a good strong chance that the birds want to come in and work your call, uh, especially with a shotgun, but I've done it with a bow as well. You can literally just do exactly what most people do is just set yourself up against a tree and, and set your decoys out and call and let the birds come in and work and, and take your shot. However, if it's, you know, bad weather, if like what your hunt was last year, I mean, the birds were there, mm -hmm. but they were locked down with hens. And, and unless you call the entire flock of hens to you, or, and it didn't even need to be a, an entire flock, you can have a, a gobbler or two or three literally locked down with two or three hens and they will not break off of them at all and so unless you can get those hens to move your way you're kind of stuck well 
that's where, in my opinion, that's where ground line works great, especially if you know your area and you especially know the movement of what those birds are doing. You can sometimes set ground blinds in places where there's really not a lot of cover for you. Uh, you put the ground blind out there. A lot of birds, not all, but a lot of turkeys really don't mind ground blinds that much. So you can, I like setting mine out early and letting them sit on the landscape for a while and let everybody get used to them. But you can even just pop up a, a ground blind. I've done it as well. You just go hunt, pop up a ground blind, sit it down. Set it in a place where you have that movement where those birds are walking through. Set it in a place where you're, you know, out in a destination area where you know those birds are going to feed. That's exactly what you and I did uh, when we were out there. Yep. We knew where those birds were feeding. We had a food plot that the birds were coming to. There was, like, no cover anywhere around for us to sit up against a tree or anything. Plus, the weather was crappy. So I ran out, grabbed that ground blind, just came running back in, slammed it down, and just sit there because I know the birds will come through that area at some point. It was just a matter of patience. Well, for us, it worked out pretty quick, but I've literally sat, you know, 12 hours in a blind before and finally had my shot opportunity. So I really do like having ground blinds uh, for inclement weather, tricky situations, especially with kids or new hunters. But there's, there is that element of being able to run and gun and move quick and just set up wherever you need to set up. So I just try to look at the scenario, what is the, what's going to give me the highest percentage play at the time, and then use the equipment that's going to give me that advantage. Absolutely. Chris Rowe is with us. A few more minutes here. Check out, again, his website, rowehuntingresources.com. A wealth of information there. Um, great elk modules there. Again, whitetail, turkey, everything. Chris has done a great job there. And uh, when we get Chris back on, we'll promote that on Facebook and give you plenty of notice when he'll be back on with us. But now talk about your decoys and what you, you know, sometimes you see some where, man, your guy just sticks up one or two. And then I've seen other guys stick up, you know, two or three hens and a gobbler. I mean, what, oh, yeah. how do you kind of go about what you're going to set up? I, I really focus that based off of the period of the season I'm in and the reproductive cycle of those birds. And, and you mentioned the website, and yet this would be great for those people that want to are just thinking about getting into turkey hunting or want to learn about turkey hunting, that on the website there is a turkey module, and it is engineered for people that want to get, you know, beginners, that want to get into turkey hunting and understand this. And there's an entire... Uh, module portion or, or uh, instructional series on decoys. And in, in short, as we start in the beginning of season, there's a lot of, of competition between gobblers and, and each other for hens. And you'll oftentimes see hens in groups. And so that's where you'll often see people have strutted decoys or a jake decoy in there with several hens because it's A, the, the number of birds in the group is realistic. And then there's a value to have a jake or a strutter decoy in there because now any other gobbler that's on the landscape, he can't just stand off in the distance and strut for the hens that, you know, you know your hen decoys and the hens that, you know, you're pretending to be. Right. He sees that strutter there. He's got, he has to come in and show off. Otherwise, he's not going to get any play. So that's why people bring a strutter. But as you move into the season, um, Everything gets locked down. Sometimes gobblers don't want to engage one another. They've, they've already gone through the packing order. They've already been fights a couple times. They've already gotten beat up. 
this is where you start leaving the strutter out of there, maybe even leave the, the Jake decoy out of there and go with just a couple hens. Or as it gets later in the season, as the hens start to go nest, this is when maybe what you do is go and go out with a single hen. Really try to use your decoys to paint the exact same picture that the you know the turkey behavior on the landscape is mm-hmm. doing themselves. And and I, you ought to try to give yourself a variety of decoys that will give you that flexibility across the entire spectrum of the season. So a hen decoy, high quality hen decoys. Maybe a high-quality cheek decoy, and I really do recommend people have a high-quality strutter decoy as well. Absolutely. Well, Chris, like I said, I'm going to get you back on, man. We'll get you booked, and uh, we'll do a whole show on this, and I know it'll be a lot of help to a lot of people. And, man, I cannot wait till I think, third week April and get down and see you again and have some fun, bud. Yeah, yeah. No, it should be a lot of fun. Heck yeah. All right, bud. Hey, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll be in touch with you real soon. Sounds good. Be safe. All right. You as well. That's Chris Rowe, Rowe Hunting Resources. I cannot think of any other way to highly recommend that website to you. Please go check it out. I promise you it'll be worth your while. All right. As we're heading to break, I ran across something on Facebook recently and uh, contacted the uh, gentleman that wrote this song, uh, Leon Drunkenmiller. And uh, But he had a great song, and I thought as we were ending out with Chris here, uh, we would play that here on the way to a break. But uh, got a good song for you. He Stopped Gobbling Today, once again by Leon Drunkenmiller. So I hope you enjoy this, and we'll be back after this. I said I'll hunt them till I die. Lord only knows how hard I try. On them almost every day But they just putt and run away He's getting close, I hear him drum As he was strutting up that ridge His head was red, he wanted love I want that breast inside my fridge he turned away, I hit my slate. Longbeard thought he had a day. Then my heart began to pound. Now he's flopping on the ground. He stopped gobbling today. I slung some lead upside his head. And now I'm carrying him away He stopped gobbling today Well, you know, they ran up to spur him one last time As he fluttered in those leaves That thought came across my mind I can finally sleep in peace he stopped gobbling today I slung some lead upside his head And now I'm carrying him away He stopped gobbling today He stopped gobbling today I slung some lead upside his head And now I'm carrying him away 
up gobbling today. Gobble, gobble. This is Scott Watley for my friends at Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is proud to announce their new 10,000 square foot facility is now open in Berthard, Colorado, located at 504 North 2nd Street. With this expansion, Phoenix Weaponry offers a new retail area and expanded gunsmithing in Duracote and Cerakote areas. Family owned and operated, Phoenix Weaponry offers the finest in competition, hunting, and long range precision firearms. Also suppressors, from 22 long rifle to 50 caliber for rifles, pistols, and shotguns. Phoenix Weaponry also offers gunsmithing services and restoration repairs from antique to modern firearms. Building your firearm dreams into reality. That's Phoenix Weaponry. Call them now, 720-340-2496, or visit them at phoenixweaponry.com. Hi, Jack Corgan for Len Lyle Chevrolet. Len Lyle Chevrolet is open and safe. It's truck month, and they have the best deals of the year on all trucks and SUVs, like up to 10000 off on half-ton Silverados. Or come check out the all-new Tahoes and Suburbans for 2021. Len Lyle has been there for 35 years, and low overhead really does mean low prices. Check them out on the web, lenlylechevy.com. Go east and pay the least. Chevy. Find new roads. Is your vision stopping you from enjoying your outdoor activities? Hi, this is Scott Watley for Stack Optical. Get by Stack Optical today and check out the Stack Sports Pack. One great frame where you can easily interchange the lenses to the tent you need for golf, bike riding, shooting, fishing, and yes, even driving. Stack Optical, family owned and operated. They're fully staffed and ready to help you with all of your optical needs from eye exams, glasses, contacts, and yes, even repairs. And rest assured, Stack Optical has taken every precaution to ensure your safety and that you have a clean environment. 2233 South Monaco Parkway. 303-321-1578. Call them now. 303-321-1578. StackOptical.com. And remember, at Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman Colorado. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Just a reminder now, if you miss our live show on Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m., you can replay us on Sundays, and that is from 8 to 9 a.m. or once again in the evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Well, we are glad to welcome a uh, new guest with us today and uh, someone I've recently become involved with a little bit and a great company and uh, I think can be a lot of help to a lot of people. And Butch Manassi is joining us with Hunt Nation. Butch, how are you? Howdy, Scott. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Hey, I appreciate you taking a few minutes with us today. And, uh, you know, this area of finding outfitters today, uh, boy, it seems to have gotten more and more difficult for all of us that are just kind of looking around and Googling, you know, elk hunts Wyoming and see what all comes up. So there's got to be a better way, and evidently there is with Hunt Nation. So um, before you get into, um, I guess, your company a little bit, give us a little bit of the background of kind of, how you guys started this, how it came about, and then we'll kind of get into what all you do. Okay. Well, in a different life, uh, I was one of those dreaded things called an attorney. And uh, <laughs> after, 20, after 27 years of doing that, um, I decided I wanted to chase my heart. 
um, and basically retired from doing that uh, and decided I wanted to be a guide, an outfitter, or an agent. Well, after looking around and realizing that guides and outfitters don't get any chance to go out in the field themselves except if they have a client, I decided I think I would be happier being an agent and having had some bad experiences with doing what everybody does, getting online, doing the research, I felt that there's got to be a better way. And so I started this company 21 or 22 years ago, um, kind of on a women of prayer. And uh, anyway, it's taken off to the point where we've got upwards of 300,000 clients now and about 350 outfitters and five offices. So, wow. And we've done that just simply by trying this. Our motto is we tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then when I hire somebody, they're told up front, if you come to work for me the first time you lie, you're fired. It's just that simple. Right. So the deal is, and where people have a problem now, Scott, is you want to go fit. Let's say you want to go on an elk hunt in Colorado. Well, you can go online and find, I don't know, 75, 100 outfitters. <laughs> and, and, and everyone's got nice pictures. Sure. And everyone's got some sort of a quote from somebody. And it might be his brother-in-law. It might, who knows? You know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, and then if you really want to get serious, you're going to start chasing references. You're going to start trying to find out, is there any adverse information on him with Guides and Outfitters Association? Does he have any legal problems? Is his license still in effect? And on and on it goes. And even then, you still don't have that little nice feeling in the pit of your stomach when you write out a check for 2000 or $3,000 and send it off to somebody you really don't know very well. Sure. So... That's what we do is we spend probably, I think each one of us averages 2,000 to 2,500 hours a year. Um, so, and we're, and we're doing that every day of our life, pretty much seven days a week. And, you know, we're checking every little thing that we can on any single outfitter. We have contracts with them. And so we haven't, and again, this is not something that the average sport person can do, but we have a contract that says, you've got to meet these standards. You've got to provide good people. You've got to provide good equipment. You've got to provide good lodging. You've got to provide good food. And that's all laid out in a detailed legal contract. And then we send them a long questionnaire and it says, you know, tell us about this, tell us about that. So by the time we're all done spending all of the hours and hours, we have a good handle on is this somebody we want to work for or not? Um, so if somebody's looking for that elk hunt, you know, they can go online and spend 30, 40 hours looking, <laughs> and they might find a good hunt. They might find a hunt they thought was good, turns out to be mediocre, or it might be an absolute disaster, and we hear about those ourselves every year from clients who have done stuff on their own or picked up somebody at a sports show and said, oh, my gosh, Butch, what a mess we had. Right. And and that's what we try to avoid, okay? I've been on that end of it. I've been an outfitter. I've been a client. Uh, we've done all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, we want to send people someplace where we can we can go to sleep ourselves at night saying, yeah, you know, I think I sent John to a good place. He should have a good trip. Sure. We and, reached... and the nice part is it doesn't cost them anything extra. We charge the same price that the outfitter charges because the outfitter pays us, not the client. Gotcha. Yeah, we recently had Craig Boddington on, and I don't know if you know that name. Um, I do. Yeah, but... And I have tracks in Africa and other places. Yeah, but Craig was on our show last week, and, and he said, you know, he said, when it comes to all this matter of outfitters and all, he said, you know, 
one guy may say, this place is great, man, I enjoyed it. But that guy may like staying in a tent and doesn't mind the rain dripping through on him, so it may be perfect for him. But he goes, Scott, that may not be a perfect hunt for you or me, you know. So there's a lot of different areas in this that, you know, you got to look at and uh boy to have someone like yourself and your company that that does this pre-screening process is is awesome you know and uh uh fred eichler i don't know if you know fred but uh i, I, yeah. know, I don't know him personally but okay I know his, uh, you know and he said this one time to me as well he said um you know he goes most of the references you're going to get are people that were successful on their hunt and of course they're happy he goes i like asking hey give me a couple of names of people that weren't successful in a harvest and you know if they say then boy you know what the gods worked their tail off they got me in position i passed on a couple or i missed or i just didn't see one i want he goes but i'd go back there tomorrow those are also good references (laughs) yep 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 that's all true one of our favorite questions is would you send your best friend right Again, if you're just joining us, Butch Manasi is with us. He is the Vice President of Hunt Nation. You can check out the website, huntnation.com. So uh, what, what are all the areas? Do you represent the whole United States? I mean, you got stuff in Africa. you got stuff all over the country. I mean, the, the world. What's your kind of service yes. areas? <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, world, we're worldwide. Um, we... Uh, we obviously do lots and lots of North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot in South south america as well uh we do extensive stuff in uh argentina for example uh we're in outer mongolia we're in russia um pretty much if there's any place in the world that people go to hunt uh we've probably been there and we probably have someone who we feel is a good bet to send a client to no that's great and uh, especially when you're going over good night been fortunate to go over to Africa a few times myself and that's a long ways man and you, want, and you know when you do shows I mean anybody I mean you and I could set up a booth at any trade show say we're with this company print up some nice brochures and pictures and take some deposits and you know what because none of these shows I mean and not that they have to but they don't screen any of the people that put a booth in somewhere so you never know for yep. sure and and we we see that a lot. Um, you know, I've, we, every, there's not a year that goes by that we won't get a call. Like, for example, we had one uh, this past year, I believe. Four guys showed up uh, in Denver, uh, and their outfitter wasn't there to meet them. They never heard from him. He was just gone. Um, he took the money and went bye-bye. Wow. Um, and so, you know, they make a call to us and say, can you do anything to help bail us out? And sometimes we can and sometimes we can't. But you know those those stories abound, and uh, it's just easy to get burned out there. Even if, look, I was an attorney. I did my homework, and I got burned several times. And I did my homework. Sure, so I, I, I did what I thought was a reasonably decent job of vetting within the time that I could spare to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know we had I can think of at least three or four disastrous hunts. Look, every hunt is fun as far as I'm concerned. If you if you go go on a hunt and you're in the outdoors, and you're doing what you love, you're having fun. Yeah, you know, the outfitter may have done a lousy job, and there was no game, and on and on, but you still have to find some fun in whatever you do. Mm -hmm. And those are their favorite kind of clients, is the guys that go with that sort of attitude. Sure, sure. 
All right, so let's kind of maybe just go through a little bit how the process works. You know, uh, I call you and I tell you I want to, you know, do an elk hunt in Idaho. And then so do you furnish me with, you know, uh, half a dozen names, two names, one name? How does that kind of work? Well, first thing I sort of do is ask some questions. So let, let's take your, your example. You want to go on an elk hunt. Um, typically, have you done them before? Have you had any success? Uh, what are your expectations in terms of size-wise? Now, everybody wants a 400 class, but sure. realistically, what, what are you going to be happy with when you go home? Right. Um, how fit are you? And lastly, and often very importantly, is what's your budget? Right. I mean, can you afford can you afford a five thousand dollar hunt, a ten thousand dollar hunt, a fifteen thousand dollar hunt? Gotcha. Um, and and because what you have to do is try to meet the client's expectations within their budget range. Sometimes you can't do that. You know, if a guy calls and says, "I've got a three thousand dollars for an elk hunt, I want a four hundred class," it's just you know, <laughs> yeah. not going to work. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could. Sure. But so so you know, we try to make expectations realistic and so we get all through with that and I, now I understand who you are what you're capable of what your experience is and then I'm going to send you two three or four operations to look over okay and you're going to do that and you're going to call me back and say well butch I kind of like you know number 103 and and 204 and uh, what can you tell me more about those so you know we talk a little about of our, our experience with them um, sometimes a client says, uh, well, Butch, uh, can I talk to the outfitter? We always say yes. Fine. We don't believe in hiding the ball, although we do try to very frankly hang on to our outfitters fairly tight to our chest because we've well, sure. years of research and money to get them together. But, yeah, you know, talk to the guy. It's your money. You're being prudent. Ask the questions you want to ask, and then come back to us, and we do all the paperwork. So assuming you come back and say, Butch, I've settled on hunt number 104, I say, okay, I'm going to send you an invoice. I send you an invoice for 50%. Uh, You send me back the 50%. Uh, We send that on to the outfitter, answer any questions you may have, Um, and that's pretty much the deal. We check with you at the end of the hunt. We ask for a report on how did your trip go. And because if there's problems, we like to hear about it so we can talk to the outfitter and say, hey, you got to polish this up or you got to polish that up. Or if it's bad enough, as in a recent case, we're going to say, you know what, we don't want to do business with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't happen too often because we do vet them pretty carefully. But you can still get some bad surprises when somebody loses a lease or loses a key member of their staff or some such thing. Sure. And, you know, I do a consumer health show um, here on our station uh, through the week, and I always tell everyone, everybody deserves a chance to make something right. You know, don't go online and start blasting people and saying things if you haven't even talked to the owner and given them a chance to, you know, figure some things out. Because sometimes, number one, they may not know. (laughs) And uh, number two, um, you know, they might not have realized really what was going on. So at least give every, like I say, everybody deserves a chance to just, you know, figure it out and make it right and try to make you a happy customer, don't they? Yeah, Scott, that is a super good point. Um, We've had a number of clients from time to time who will just leave. Now, sometimes there is a legitimate problem. Sometimes it's that the the client had expectations for certain things that weren't realistic. Uh, And we always say to all our clients, please call us. Don't just up and leave. Yeah. Um, call us and we will lean on the outfitter to see if it can be made right. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but it's going to happen. Sure. If you think of 
everything that could happen from weather to guys getting divorced, to bankruptcies, to accidents, to vehicle breakdowns, to game movements, and on and on. There's a thousand things that can affect any given hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so get a hold of somebody who's in the business, understands the business, they can maybe help you. If we can't, we're going to tell you, hey, you yeah. know, you want to go? Go. But uh, very often, not very often, but let's say some of the time, we can do something to get it fixed. It may not be perfect for you, but you're going to go away a heck of a lot happier than if you just leave. And then when you make a complaint, the outfitter says, well, you never gave me a chance to fix it. Sure. And that's, <laughs> that sort of kills that thing right there, dead in its tracks. Right. And, you know, people have to realize, too, I mean, uh, I mean, I took a guy uh, on a hunt. He, it was a 20-year anniversary for him. At a, uh, he's a president over a college, and they contacted me and asked him if I'd take him on a hunt. And I said, well, sure. I said, you know what, just because we're hunting private property, I want you guys to realize, you know, this isn't a high fence thing. This isn't a zoo. I mean, I'm going to put him in the best position with a good outfitter. But, you know, there's no guarantees and stuff. And, of course, they were fine with that. And you know what? We didn't get a shot at a bull for the guy in five days, you know? So people have to realize, too, it's hunting, not shooting. I think that's great with you figuring out the very first. I love your questions at the first ask me is, you know, kind of what are your expectations? Yeah, yeah, that that's a big deal. You know, we get we see, for example, Scott, we'll have guys that are experienced, uh, but they've mostly done Africa. And, you know, in Africa, they go out the I mean, you, you right. know, we've got operations where they serve hors d'oeuvres during the trip along with champagne, and they give you a hot towel for your face when you arrive. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, if you're used to that and you're, you're in a horseback camp somewhere and you're not expecting that, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And so, you know, part of our job is to find out, you know, what are your expectations? What are you looking for? Sure. Well, Butch, man, I just want to get you guys on. Like I say, I've heard nothing but great things about you and your company. And uh, so, boy, everybody needs help. And now's the time to, to get in touch with you guys. You know, not wait till later in the fall and all that. But now's the time to uh, get that introduction going. So you can get in touch with Butch through their website. Again, it is huntnation.com. And is that the best way, or is there a phone number you'd like to give out as well, Butch? Uh, yeah, or there's a phone number, uh, 307-637. Five four nine five. Okay, um, and that is uh, an office number. It rotates among our five different offices, but uh, there'll always be somebody who is capable uh, and can help. All right. Again, that number is three zero seven six three seven fifty four ninety five, or go check out the website huntnation.com so butch hey man we appreciate your time and uh maybe in a um, six eight weeks we'll do this again and remind everybody about you and your services and we appreciate it scott i appreciate it you've been a great guy to work with and and uh i have nothing but the highest regard for you so thank you very much sir well the feeling is mutual sir so we appreciate your time you take care. All right. We want to thank all of our guests today, but mostly we want to thank you for joining us here on Sportsman of Colorado. And just a reminder now, if you miss us on Saturdays from 1 to 2 for our live show, catch us twice on Sundays from 8 to 9 a.m. or 7 to 8 p.m. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.
opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.